Hey, sisters. Today, we are talking about friendship. Four things that you should look for in a friend and what it means to have Christian friends, which looks very different than worldly friends. I pray that this episode blesses you. And in the show notes, there is homework for you to do some self-reflection on friendship. Enjoy. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real-life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another? They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi, sisters. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be here with you guys and and just learn the word together or just have awesome discussions together. And today we are actually going to be talking about biblical friendships and what kind of two things got me really thinking about this is one, I've been going through the Bible with my husband. We have been going through it for the whole, for the year together in the mornings. And we are reading in Samuel right now. And so one of the, the topics that we had gotten on was the friendship between Jonathan and David, which I had already been, you know, thinking about that and kind of praying about that friendship. And then I just had a birthday. So my birthday just came and um, it was so beautiful because I had so many just Facebook posts and text messages and messages and from people just wishing me happy birthday and and then telling me how how grateful they are for me in their life. And they're so appreciative of the time, talent, and treasure that I've put into them, that I've invested into them and, and through discipleship, but also through friendship. And it just was such a humbling experience. I don't have my birthday uh, announced on, on Facebook. I don't like a lot of like acclimates and I don't like people to like, you know, tag me in a bunch of things and those kind of things, but, um, they do anyway. And they could, they knew from past posts, I think from like memories and things like it's, it's Amy's birthday and they keep note of that. And it just became this beautiful all day, um, appreciation of just the labor that I have poured out onto people in one way or another, how I've blessed their lives in the Lord. And it really just, um, it blessed my heart so deeply, uh, to, to know that you are making a difference in people's lives. Like you, they see the Christ in you They're They feel the love. They feel the, um, 
the genuineness of your walk is your walk is affecting their walk in a positive way, which is what Christianity should be. It's what discipleship is. It's what friendship, biblical friendship should be. And so it really brought me thinking even more about biblical friendship and kind of being going back to being reminded about Jonathan and David out of first Samuel. And in the story, it talks about how Jonathan and David were knit at the souls, it, it, the soul. They were so close. They were, they were, bro- they were like brothers, even though they weren't physically related by blood, they had become so close and so united that the word literally says knitted in the soul together. And people have taken that and try to teach us soul ties doctrine and all these things. But honestly, that's, that's not what that's being taught. What's, what's, what, what, God is trying to help us see is that friendship is deep and it's, it's, it can be deeper than blood. It can be deeper than, you know, it can be a deep, intimate, uh, powerful relationship between two people. And I just loved that thinking about some of the people that were wishing me happy birthday. Some of the people that are in my life as I'm reflecting at the people that God has knitted to my soul. And I get that because I'm experiencing that even in my own walk where there's people where I never knew them, didn't know they existed, but through God's providence, through his divine sovereignty, he introduced them to me and we became family. They, we became brothers and sisters. We became best friends. We became, you know, just this beautiful relationship like Jonathan and David. And I just thinking of that, I'm I'm reflecting on that. And it made me think like I've had friendships in the past that weren't healthy, that were toxic, that um, I loved them so much, but it was superficial because they were either unable to love back or they were living a double life or um, they were abusive and, and toxic, whatever it was. But I look at my life today and I think of all the friendships I have. I think of the, the family that God has knit me together with, the people that I'm doing life with in the name of the Lord. And I'm so blessed because it's true biblical friendship. You know, David and, and and Jonathan were so knit together that even though Jonathan was technically the rightful heir of the throne, he was the firstborn of Saul, Saul was had become insane and just was acting out of all sorts. So God is like, no, I'm going to, I'm taking away that right to even your whole lineage to still have the throne. And I'm going to give it over here to, to David. And Jonathan honored that he loved David so much and he loved God so much that he submitted himself to what God was doing. And him and David had made a covenant together that they were going to um, always protect one another, always stand by one another. Jonathan was willing to even go against his own father, the king for David. He was going to protect David from his fathers. We knew Saul was always trying to pursue David and kill David. And in turn, David said, I am not only going to, you know, protect you and your family at all costs, you know, to make sure that nothing happens to you because people are going to kill Saul. They're going to kill his sons. That's just how it worked back then to get rid of that whole lineage for the um, throne. He's like, but I'm going to, I make a covenant that I will protect you, Jonathan. I will protect your family. But not only that, I'm going to put you second in command to me. 
I'm going to give you a, a the highest position that you can have, that kind of the same position that one that Joseph had with Pharaoh. He was second in command, right? God gave him that beautiful position. So that's what he was offering to Jonathan. And he said, you know, we're going to stick together. We're going to do this thing together, even though um, the throne is was technically an earthly perspective was to be yours, Jonathan, but God has given it to me. And Jonathan said, yes, I'm going to submit to God and I'm going to submit to you, David. And that's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of humility to do that. I mean, think of like something that, you know, if you were groomed your whole life for say the family business or something, and, and you were so excited about having the family business that one day all of this, all of the business and the estate and all this would be yours. But you know, all of a sudden it comes along that somebody that's not even raised in your family and God says, I'm actually going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to this whole other person. They're going to come in. They're going to take over your entire family business, the estate, the houses, everything. And you would be like, wait a minute, what? And I've been groomed my whole life for this. And this is owed to me. And but that, that was not Jonathan's. He said, not only am I grateful that God has chosen David to do this, but I'm going to submit to God and I'm going to submit to David. And then I'm going to work for David and take direction off David for something that was rightfully his. I just, I thought that was just showed such beautiful humility and such a perfect love for God and a perfect love for one another, which is what we are commanded to do. We are to think of others greater than ourselves. And in Ephesians 5.21 says, we are to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And so Jonathan has, was submitted to David in the fear of the Lord. And we are to be the same. We are to submit to one another. We are to submit to each other's gifts and callings, submit to each other's, um, you know, just the fact that we're all supposed to be working together, thinking of each other greater than ourselves, that, that working in the kingdom of God, building the kingdom of God, is bigger than us individually. It is a is a corporate thing. And that's why we need to think of others greater than ourselves. Christ is our head. He is our king. And we're all working with one goal for him. And we've talked a lot about unity in the past. We've talked a lot about these things. So you can go back and watch some of the unity um, video series, especially from Philippians. We talked a lot about it. And so, so I like, again, I started thinking a lot about, you know, friendship and this is why it's so important that when we become born again, that we are plugged into a local church body. This is where friendships will develop. This is where you will be connected. God will connect you to your new family. It doesn't mean we just dismiss our earthly family or we no longer love them or have anything. No, not at all. But when you are born again, you are adopted. Romans 8, into a new family where you've been grafted in. God is your father. And so you are now a son or a daughter and you have all these new brothers and sisters that you're going to start doing life with. You have been given a set of gifts that will help the body, will help this local body of Christ. And they have gifts that are going to help you. And together you're using your gifts in unity, submitted to one another to further the gospel of Jesus Christ and to help one another grow and mature in Christ. I think of, um, it says Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because if one falls down, the other is there to pick them up and a threefold cord is not easily broken. First Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. So we are to serve each other with these gifts that God has given us. Love one another. We need each other. There are going to be times when I am down and I need picked up. And there's other times that other people are down and they need picked up. We are to, you know, speak great things over each other. We're to Colossians. I love, you know, in Colossians where it talks about, um, it says we disciple each other in the word. We admonish each other to living holy and righteous in love. Colossians 3.16. We teach each other. We disciple one another. We sing hymns to each other. We rejoice with one another when each other is rejoicing. And we mourn with each other when each other, when somebody's mourning. We're really truly a connected family. And so I came up with like four things that really spoke to me on biblical friendship. Like what is biblical friendship? What is something to look for if you're going to have biblical friends? One was first and foremost, having Christ in common. You know, you can't be unequally yoked, whether you can't be unequally yoked in business in marriage and friendships. When you're knit together at the soul, when you are put together, there needs to be the common denominator must be Christ. That is what it breaks down every social barrier, economic barrier. It's um, whether we were raised completely different, even maybe we were raised in completely different countries, raised completely different ways. We may not have a lot of earthly things in common, but we have Christ in common. Christ brings people together from different backgrounds, different um social backgrounds, national backgrounds. I think of like Ruth and Naomi, you know, Ruth was raised this pagan woman. Naomi was raised in the, in the land of God and the, in the land of um, the house of bread in Bethlehem. She was raised, you know, to know the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But here's Ruth who would have been raised in paganism and idolatry and sexual immorality. And yet when they came together, you know, Naomi shared her God with Ruth and they now had that in common to the point that Ruth was so connected to Naomi that she was willing to leave her lands, leave all of that behind to go and pursue the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with Naomi. And they became knit together. Two women who had absolutely nothing in common, but now they had God in common. And you can go read that story. And Ruth also, I've done some teachings um, in the from the book of Ruth and I talk about um, how Naomi would have been such a great example to Ruth that Ruth would have wanted to follow her God and so beautiful. And so we have that in common. Christ must be our common denominator. Be both of us loving Christ, being united in him is going to be the first foundation of a true biblical friendship. And then two, friendship should encourage us to grow in Christ. A true biblical friendship will always encourage you in Christ. We will um, perfect one another. We will bring each other up into maturity, according to Ephesians, where we are admonishing one another. We are iron sharpens iron. We're calling each other higher to look, act, talk, and be like Christ. We're stirring up each other in love and in good works. So a good, true biblical friendship doesn't just always 
you know, you're so amazing. You're so this, I just love you. And always encouraging. That is a good thing. But sometimes encouragement also in discipline. Hey sister, I love you so much. And I am concerned about something in your life that is not reflecting Christ, that is not reflecting a biblical um, worldview or the, the teachings of our savior. And I want to kind of hold you accountable to the word. And, and um, I want to call you higher in that. And how can I help you? This has always been done in love and humility. How can I help you grow in that area or get through this area of your life where you seem to be stumbling in sin or whatever it is? And we should be submitted to one another and take that correction and go, okay, yeah, thank you for holding me accountable. It doesn't, no one loves discipline. No one loves to be corrected or, um, whatever, but we need that. That's true biblical friendship, encouraging one another to grow in Christ. And we do that by using the word of God, holding each other to the standard of the word, not the standard of this world, because this world is dying. It is, um, I am cat sitting for a week. So that was one of the cats that I'm babysitting. Um, Anyways, so this is the first time I'm doing teaching since they've been here. So they, they're like, oh, wait, what's this? We got all this stuff out and I want to see it. Um, so anyways, so we want to encourage each other to grow in Christ and iron sharpens iron using the word of God, laboring through the scriptures together, holding each other to the scriptures by the Holy Spirit in love and in humility. And that's the kind of friends I have now. I have friends where we are united in Christ. We encourage one another to grow in Christ. We pray with one another. We hold each other to the word of God. We labor through the scriptures together. We um, show each other grace and mercy, but we also love each other enough to just be honest with one another. Like, hey, you know, let's let's grow in this area. You know how we just we really look to the scriptures as our standard and how we can do better, how we can mature in Christ. And I love that. It's so beautiful. Number three, which I've already kind of touched on, is accountability. True biblical friendships have accountability, that iron that sharpens iron, that we hold each other to the word of God. We're teaching one another. We're able to labor through scriptures. We may not always come to the perfect agreement in, in the, in the grayer areas or the secondary issues of what we would call in the scriptures, but we love each other and we allow each other to grow and mature and be on our sanctification walks. I think of Nathan, the prophet who came to King David and called him to repent. Like that's accountability. He said, man, David, you know, like you killed Uriah, you've had sex with Bathsheba, you are living so trepidoodle and you need to repent. Like this is not godly behavior. And so we, we need to be held accountable and be okay when God needs to send a prophet into our lives and a friend into our lives. One of our brothers or sisters to say, Hey, I'm seeing some things that are kind of concerning you know, holding each other accountable. And I think of Matthew 18, 15, 15, when we start talking about, you know, holding each other accountable, it says to go one-on-one -on -one with your brother or sister, you know, show them where they may be in error. And if they don't listen and they don't repent, then go and grab another one. But if they do listen, they do repent, you've won yourself a brother. That is so beautiful that to be brothers and sisters and holding each other accountable. Now we don't want to walk around with a critical eye and always going, well, who's doing what wrong now? So I can correct them. That's not the right spirit. I never like bringing correction or it's not fun. It's not fun at all. It's just something I would rather never have to do, but 
I need to be held accountable. And I know that my brothers and sisters need to be held accountable. And I know that the word tells us to hold one another accountable. And so be humble enough to receive the correction. You should be submitted to the body of Christ in your local body. There should be elders that are overseeing your souls that can watch out for you and make sure that you are walking the narrow path and you should be submitted to them as long as they are submitted to the word of God and that they are bringing correction with the word of God in love and in humility. They're not they don't, they're not lording over you. They don't have authority. They're not telling you who to marry. And, uh, you know, you have to do this and you better do that. No, they're, they're lovingly helping you on the narrow path to look more like Christ. And so that's what that should look like. And we are living in the second Timothy chapter three era where we are rebellious and we don't think that we have to submit to anyone. And it's me and God, and I don't need nobody. And all I need is the Bible and the Holy spirit. And I'm good. That is not what Christ built up. His church is a body, a community of believers that he has put together locally and universally to be submitted to one another, using your gifts and calling for that local body to build the church up in that community, to preach the gospel, to love one another, to build one another up in each other's gifts and callings. You can't do that sitting at home behind a computer or on a behind a television on Sundays. That is not the church. And that's not you being the church. Like, yes, God dwells within us and we are his living temple, but he takes those living stones when he saves us and he puts them together to build up his house. You can't be a living stone disconnected. That That is a rebellious spirit. So I encourage you, if you do not have a local Bible believing where men Godly, God-ordained men are overseeing biblical, biblically qualified, then I encourage you, please start seeking one out. Start prayerfully looking for one. If you do not know where to even begin, email me, contact me. I'll be happy to kind of help you sort that out, see where you live, see if we can make some connections because it's really important. It's beautiful that you listen to podcasts or you watch YouTubes or you listen to wonderful godly elders or Titus women on the social media networks, but we cannot replace your local church. You need to be involved in a local church. And so number four, which kind of goes right into that, biblical friendship is there for one another. Physically, spiritually, emotionally there for each other. We already talked about this. We rejoice together. We cry together. We long suffer with one another. We labor in prayer together. We labor in the word together. Again, going back to holding each other accountable. When one of you has a need, and if we're able to help supply that need, we help supply that need in the local body. James talks about if you see your brother and sister and they have a need and you're able to supply that need, you need to supply that need. And it's so funny because I love how the Holy Spirit works. Knowing I'm getting ready to come on here today, I'm getting ready to talk about biblical friendship, talk about this very subject. A sister comes and says, I have this need. She didn't ask for anything. She just asked for prayer, said, please pray for me. There's this, I have this need that just popped up and, you know, I know it's going to be all right. God has it. I'm content. God is good. And immediately I thought she has a need and I have a way to make that, to fulfill that need, though she didn't ask for help. I knew there there's a need and I could help fulfill it. Because what does James say? If you see your brother and sister in need and then you just say praying for you and walk away, 
and don't fulfill that need, even though you can, you're worse than the devil because even the devil believes, right? And trembles, even demons believe and tremble. But one of the evidences that you're truly born again is that you are walking out your faith in works, that works does not save us, but that's what he's talking about. Like you have a brother or sister in need and you just pass by and be like, oh yeah, I'm praying for you. But you have a way to meet that need. We are to think of others greater than ourselves, even if that means we suffer so that they don't have to. That is the gospel, guys. Christ did not come to be served. He came to serve. He humbled himself. And he said, if you want to be a leader in my kingdom, you want to be a leader in the church of God, you will be a servant to all. That is exactly what this is. And so I met that need. I wasn't even thinking on the line of biblical friendship or the fact that I was getting ready to come on here. It wasn't until after I met the need that I started looking over my notes and I was like, oh my goodness. Like literally I was given an opportunity to practice what I'm about to teach. And I did it without hesitation. And that just blesses my heart that I'm not just somebody that's saying, I'm going to tell you all what to do, but I'm not going to live it out. Well, I'm not going to be a biblical friend. I'm not going to do these things. No, I'm living this out with you. I'm walking it out with you. And I'm not doing it perfectly by any means, but I am growing in godliness and I'm growing in, in Christ likeness. And you guys are helping me to do that. And I pray that I am helping you and encouraging you to do that. And so together, so we look for biblical friendships first. You need to be in a local body of believers, in a local church body, biblical elders, qualified elders, you know, deacons. Hopefully they have some deacons and they, they're, they're just doing things biblically. They, the word of God is preeminent. They are teaching you the word, not just two or three verses and then all about their life and all the great things that they've done or how you can have 10 keys to your best life now and all that stuff. No, those are sermonettes. People that are sold out to teaching you the scriptures, giving you God's word. And you have men and women that are older and they're able to pour into you and you're able to pour into others. And again, contact me if you don't have that. We try to sort that out to see where you live because there are, God has a remnant everywhere. I know it's getting harder and harder to find true biblical churches out there, but they do exist. God always has a remnant. We are not alone. We're not so solo sojourners. And so he, he has a place for you. He saved you. He's given you gifts and he has a place for you. And I will be happy to help you find that place. And so that is what I want you guys to do is really get involved in a local church and in that church, start serving. Ask how you can give of your time, talent, and your treasure. Can I serve in the nursery? Can I clean the toilets? Can I help prepare food for shut-ins? Can I, um, you know, whatever. There's so many, what, what are the outreaches that you're doing that I can come and help? Is there, you know, can we go and make some food and, and go and feed homeless people? What, whatever it is. Is there order, you know, people in the congregation that could use their lawn mowed or their house cleaned or whatever. There are ways to serve. And that is how get in plug, get plugged into the Bible studies, get plugged in to the extracurricular things. Make sure you're shown to church on Sunday, be there early, leave later, you know, help clean up afterwards, whatever it is, serve your local body, serve your local body. And this you will find beautiful friendships that will develop 
that you will have friends that you're knit together at the soul with them. You're doing life with them and they become your best friends. They become your family. I said the other day, we were at a birthday party for one of our brothers and sisters has a a one-year-old and we were at this birthday party because that's what we do. We do life together. We are at each other's birthday parties, bridal showers, baby showers. We are um, you know, doing our date nights together. We are doing outreaches together. We, we are literally living life together. We do it. We go on vacations together. Like we just, we are a family. And I walked up and there was a table sitting there and there's a bunch of them and we've been doing life together for years. And I'm sitting there and I, I stood there and I said, you know what? I came to the table and I said, I love you guys. You are my family. I said, you are my Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays, anniversary, vacations, family. I, I love being with you guys. I could be with you guys on all occasions because you guys are literally my heart and soul and my family. And that's what I want for you guys. I have that. And it's so enriching and it's so fulfilling. Now I have to put a lot of time, talent, and treasure into building that community too. And they participate and they give a lot of time, talent, treasure in that community. It is a two-way street. And we have taken, and we have done a lot to build that kind of family and that kind of community. And so I encourage you to get involved in that. Be the friend that you would want to have and pray and ask God to send you his Jonathan, his David, his Ruth, his Naomi, and he will. And I just pray for you. So Lord, I pray over the listeners today that they will find those friendships where they're knit together at the soul, these beautiful, intimate, God-fearing, loving, lay your life down for one another friendships where they will not feel alone and they will be encouraged when they need encouraged and they will have someone to weep with and also to rejoice with and someone to do life with and to build your kingdom with Lord. And so I pray that over each and every one of uh, my sisters today, help them find a local church, or if they're in a local church that is not biblically sound, is not living out the way that the Bible has said that you would find that you would help plug them into the right local body where they can use their gifts and the gifts can be used upon them. And they will have these beautiful friendships, God. I just pray blessings over each and every one of my sisters today. God bless you guys. Amen. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review that would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.